Welcome to the Defender Bible Study, a weekly encouragement to equip the body of Christ through the study of Scripture and prayer to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children around the world. This podcast is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services, where we believe that defending the fatherless begins by being rooted in God's Word. Good morning. This is Blake Wilson. Lifeline's Vice President of Operations, and today is Monday, August 23rd, and we're going to be jumping in to Romans chapter 4. So already in chapter 4 of Romans, um, excited to dive in today, grateful for last week as we looked at Romans chapter 3. Today we're going to be jumping into Romans chapter 4 um, and really looking at the life of Abraham and how Paul was able to use um, the life of Abraham to get the Church of Rome back on track. Um, And I think as I read this and as I was studying Romans chapter 4 and looking back in Genesis, um, I I really felt um, so much of a, in a sense, a kindred spirit of what the Church of Rome must have been going through because how easily I get sidetracked myself in putting um, a priority onto things that uh, are not priority. You know, and thinking that certain things are so important and they occupy a lot of my time where when it all boils down, they're not really important at all. And I think this is what the Church of Rome had um, unintentionally kind of fallen into of the need to follow traditions and previous um, previous covenants and in, in forgetting about the hope of Jesus and what he did for us on the cross and how that was once and for all um, the coverage of our sin, of all of our sin. And the only thing that we needed, um, that there is a place for the law, but it's not through the obedience of these these traditions um, and covenants that we find our hope in Jesus, but only through the cross. And this is what Paul is is reminding the church of here um, and looking at the life of Abraham. So this morning, just be prepared. We're going to spend some time in Genesis and looking at um, the life of Abraham, the calling of Abraham, and then looking back in Romans chapter 4 on really what does that mean um, through the justification? You know, what what does justification mean? Um, and how was Abraham justified? Well, we're going to see that quickly um, in the first few verses of Romans chapter 4 of how Abraham was justified. So let's just jump in. Romans chapter 4, first first three verses say this. What then shall we say was gained by Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does Scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. Verse number three is kind of the crux of everything we're going to look at today. It says, Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. It was because of Abraham's belief that he was counted righteous, not because of what he did. It wasn't because of of works, you know. His justification was deeply rooted in his heart, and we're going to see it 
in three different passages in Genesis in a few moments of how he was grounded in his faith and his hope in Jesus. So it says in verse 4 as we continue reading, Now to the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but as a due. And to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. Just as David also speaks of the blessing of the one whom God counts righteous apart from works. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. And blessed is the man against whom the Lord will not count his sin. I love those those um, those snippets of, of Scripture that redirect us to um, really how unworthy we are, but yet how the Lord um, gives us hope and, and justifies us um, through his death, burial, and resurrection. It says, blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven. Guys, we are blessed because of what he has done for us. Guys, our sins are covered. Um, and, and how blessed are we? We are that man um, who the Lord will not count his sin because we have been forgiven through what he has done for us on that cross. Verse number nine continues and it says, Is this blessing then only for the circumcised or also for the uncircumcised? This is really what this whole passage is about. This big debate in Romans chapter four is about circumcision. Does, you know, can, can you be a Christ follower or are your sins forgiven if you're not circumcised? And this was, this was how the church um, had really gotten derailed and gotten sidetracked. And Paul is trying to remind them that, no, guys, it's through Jesus. It's through faith in Jesus. It's not through um, this act of circumcision that you were counted holy or justified. So verse 10, he continues and says, how then, how, how then is it counted for him? So if it's not, like, if it's not circumcision, if it's not following this physical representation, then what is it? Was it before or after he was circumcised? So looking at the life of Abraham, like how is he counted as righteous? How then is it counted? Was it before he was circumcised? It was not after, but it was before he received the sign of circumcision as a seal of the righteousness that he had by faith while he was still uncircumcised. So verse 11 points us back to verse number 3. He received a sign of circumcision as a seal of righteousness that he had by faith while he was uncircumcised. It was through Abraham's faith that he was counted righteous. The purpose of this was to make him the father of all who believed without being circumcised so that the righteous would be counted to them as well and to make him the father of the circumcised who were not merely merely circumcised but who also walk in the footsteps of faith that our father Abraham had before he was circumcised. So in, in these 12 verses, there's a lot of back and forth, and I think it's pretty easy um, for it to get, get confusing. But really, when this all boils down, what uh, Paul is reminding the Church of Rome is that, that Abraham believed God prior to any kind of physical representation um, of his belief. So prior to that circumcision, he already believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness in verse three. So Paul is saying in these first 12 verses, guys, this sign was a seal of, of what he had already established of his belief 
in Jesus. So it was this hope and trust in God that um, that he was counted righteous. It wasn't because of an outward um, symbolism. So again, as I started, I, th I think it's easy for us to get sidetracked. I think it's easy, it's easy for us to get um, derailed a little bit in our faith journey as we follow Christ. So from some application points today, our first one is going to be rest in the scriptures. It's so easy to get caught up in, in, in works and in actions that we really forget about the truth found in the pages of the Bible. You know, these Romans were sidetracked. They lost, they were losing sight of what Jesus had just done on that cross. They had lost sight quickly um, and, and we're, we're going back to Old Testament traditions and thinking that they had to, they, it was only through the law that they could find hope. Because we have to rest in the scriptures. There's so there there are so many reminders, book after book, chapter after chapter, about the hope we have in Christ. And just as Paul is reminding the Romans, guys, we need to remind each other's each other as brothers and sisters in faith of the hope we have in Christ. Guys, it's not a ritual um, or anything that we can do to earn acceptance by God. Um, just as Abraham found favor in God by his faith alone, as we find our hope in faith through Christ. Let's find our rest in the scriptures and the words on the page um, that remind us of that hope that we have. So let's rest in the scriptures. So as we look back in Genesis um Chapter 12, 15, and 17. These are, we're not going to read all of this for the sake of time. Uh, but as we look through these two or these three chapters in the book of Genesis, I think it's important for us to understand the context of what was happening in the life of Abraham while the Lord was speaking to him and bringing him um, and establishing him as, as a father of all nations. Um, so in chapter 12, this is the, the kind of the original call. Of Abraham. This is Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 4. It says, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go to, go to your country and your kindred and your father's house and the land that I will show you. And I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all families on the earth shall be blessed. Look at his response here. And in verse number four. So Abram went as the Lord had told him and Lot went with him. And Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. He was 70. It was a 75 year old man. And he departed and he was obedient. And he did what the Lord had told him. So the Lord called him, gave him instructions and Abram obeyed. Flip over a couple, a couple chapters in Genesis, and let's look at chapter 15. So this is God's covenant. So it was God's call in chapter 12, God's covenant in chapter 15. It says, after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. So again, they're, they're talking, they're dialoguing. Just as he, he told him to go in chapter 12 and he went, now he's coming back. He says, the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram, I am your shield. Don't you love the way the Lord just embraced him out right in chat right in verse number one he was scared he said fear not abram fear not i'm your shield he knew that 
what he was about to tell him was going to invoke fear in the heart of Abram. So he started off and said, fear not, Abram, I am your shield. Your reward shall be great. So trust me, trust me, Abram, listen to what I'm about to tell you and, and fear not. But Abram said, oh, Lord God, what will you give me? For I, for I continue childless, and the heir of my house is um, Eleazar of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, you have given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. So he, he, he is having this conversation with God, and he says, I, I don't even have a kids. I don't, I don't have any children, and, and I'm, my, my heir is my servant. Like what? What is what is happening? And listen to what the Lord told him in, in verse number three. Behold, you have given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be the heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him: This man shall not be your heir; your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, Look toward heaven. The number, look toward heaven and number the stars if you're able to number them. Then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. And he believed the Lord, and he counted it to him as righteousness. So the Lord told Abram, as an old man, that he was about to become a father. And that not only was he going to become a father, but he said, Your offspring shall be as num numerous as the stars. And once again, you see his obedience. So you see in chapter 12, Abraham went and he departed from Haran. And then you see in verse number 15, and he believed. And the Lord, he believed the Lord and he counted it to him as righteousness. So he was obedient and he believed. Guys, it was because of his belief. A second application point that I want us to remember today is, is to rest in your calling. So first, we want to rest in, rest in the scriptures and remind ourselves of the truth that we have in the scriptures. But second, rest in your calling. Things are not always going to make sense. But we have to trust that the Lord is working in our lives and has a plan. But that fear is natural, just as Abram's natural response to the Lord was, was Man, I'm an old, I'm an old guy. What in the world am I? What in the world are you telling me to do? What is happening? Fear is natural, but the Lord is our shield. The Lord is our hope, and our plans are not His plans. Just as 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 uh, Abram's plan was to to leave his inheritance or his household, and you know uh, his plans to his servant, but God said, "No, you are going to have a son. Believe in me." And this is where you're going to find peace. This is, this is the calling that I have for you in your life. So let us find rest in our calling. So if you flip over again in Genesis, just as natural progressions from 12 to 15, now looking at 17. So Abraham at this point in Genesis 17 is now, believe it or not, 99 years old. So we went from 75 to 99. 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless. 
Don't you love the way these these start in verse fifth in chapter fifteen? He started off and he said, the, "It says the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram. I am your shield." And then he starts off in seventeen, "I am the God Almighty." Think from set from age seventy five to the age ninety nine. I don't know what happened right during that spell. I don't know how consistent the communication was like what what does this look like in this faith journey of abraham but he introduces himself again he says abram i am god almighty walk before me and be blameless as don't we just often forget who he who, who god is don't we often just forget his faithfulness don't we get sidetracked as the church at Rome got sidetracked and just forget of his faithfulness? God says, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless. Just as you obeyed me in chapter 12, just as you obeyed me in chapter 15, obey me now. Walk before me and be blameless that I may make a covenant between me and you and may multiply you greatly. Remember in, in, in chapter 15 how he said, I want to make you as numerous as the stars? He says, I'm going to multiply you greatly. I'm 99 years old. Keep this in mind. 99. Verse 3, Then Abram fell to his face, and God said to him, Behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be the father of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be called Abraham. For I have made you the father of a multitude of nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make you into nations, and kings shall come from you, and I will establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring, and after you throughout the generations from everlasting covenant, to be God to you and to your offspring after you, and I will give you and your offspring after you the land of your sojourners, the land of Canaan, for an everlasting position and I will be their God. He makes this covenant, and you can continue on in verses eight or verses nine through fourteen of actual the what he calls him to do with the the circumcision um, rituals and ceremony. But he is he is reminding Abraham that he has called him to be a leader. He has called him to follow to follow God. And Abraham's response was just to fall on his face. It was just a fall before Jesus or fall, fall before the Lord and just say, God, I don't understand, but I'm willing to be obedient. Walk before me and be blameless is what the Lord told Abraham. Because this is what the Lord is telling us. Walk before him. Though we don't understand, rest in your calling. Follow him, be blameless, and trust him just as he told Abram what he was going to do. He's going to bless generation after generation through him. All right, so going back to our key text in Romans chapter 4, the promise is realized through faith. And this is what Paul is telling the church at Rome. It is through faith. For the prom, Verse 13, for the promise of Abraham and his offspring that we would be heir of the world did not come through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. For if it is if it is in if it is the adherent of the law, who are to be the heirs? Faith is null and the promise is void. For the law brings wrath, 
but where there is no law, there is no transgression. These ceremonies and rituals and, and service reminders of our faith, um, they, they are there for, for a purpose and to instruct new younger believers. But, but we should not think that these rituals um, give us any kind of special standing or special merit before God. They're just an outward symbolism or, or seal to demonstrate our belief and our inner belief and hope and trust in who God is. So the focus of our faith is it's got to be on Jesus and his saving work. It's not on our own actions. And this is what Paul's saying in 13 and 14, guys. It's not, it's not what you can do. It is no law. There is no transgression. It is through him. It's faith in Jesus. He picks up in verse 16. He says, that is why it depends on faith in order that the promise may rest on grace and be guaranteed to all his offspring, not only to the adherent of the law, but also to the one who shares in faith in Abraham, who is the father of us all. Again, it's through faith, Abraham's faith. As it is written, I made this to your forefathers and the many nations in the presence of God in whom he believed, who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. In hope, he believed against hope that he should become the father of many nations. Paul is telling the church at Rome, that in hope Abraham believed against hope that he should become the father of many nations. So shall your offspring be. Verse 19, he did not weaken his faith to be considered of his own body, which was as good as dead. Don't you love Paul's bluntness here? He's like, Abraham was old. He was 99 years old. He was as good as dead, is what he tells the church at Rome. But his faith didn't waver. He did not weaken in faith. Or when he considered the bareness of his wife's womb, Sarah's womb. I've got I'm 99. My wife's womb is barren. I have no kids. But his faith did not waver. No unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had, what he had promised. That is why his faith was counted to him as righteousness. Guys, his faith grew strong. As a 99-year-old man, his faith was strong, but he grew in his, in his faith, and he continued to give glory to God. Let us not doubt that God will ever um, fulfill the promises that he's told us. You know, Abraham's life was marked with mistakes and sins and failures, but he consistently trusted in God. His faith was strengthened by the obstacles he faced, and his life was an example of faith in action. And if he had looked only internally, if he had only looked at himself and maybe the resources that he could um, uh, produce, wouldn't he have easily become overwhelmed? Because he would have fallen into despair so quickly. But Abraham looked to God and obeyed God, and he waited for him to fulfill his word. Because we don't like to wait. But Abraham waited. He didn't become a father until he was 99 years old. And through the commands of God and things that did not make sense, he waited patiently. He persevered. He was obedient. And, the, and God blessed Abraham. We have to wait on the Lord. We have to wait and be obedient on what the Lord has called us to do. Verse number 23, but the words... But the words it was counted to him were not written for his sake alone, 
but for ours also. It will be counted to us who believe in him, who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord, who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. Guys, when we trust in Jesus as our Savior, an exchange takes place and we give Christ our sins and he gives us the righteousness of for, and forgiveness. And there's nothing that we can do to earn this. It's only through Christ that we can be made, we can be made right in God's eyes. So that third application point for us today is to rest in him. We gotta rest in the scriptures, we gotta rest in our calling, and we gotta rest in him. Guys, it is through him that we have rest. He paid the price once and for all, and he is all we need. It's not through a ritual, it's not through a tradition, it is through Jesus. He paid the price and is all we need. Second Corinthians 5:21 says this: for the sake he made for I'm sorry, for our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Praise be to God. Today we're going to close out our time together in praying for the country of Haiti. Um, you know, we've been working in Haiti for years and the Lord has done a lot of great things. But if you have watched the news at all, um, you will see... Uh, just the tragedy after tragedy that continues to strike this country um, with the assassination of the president to just the most recent earthquake uh, just a day or two ago. Um, so let's just um, continue to pray for uh, the country of Haiti. Uh, pray for our, our in-country representative there, that God will continue to strengthen him and his family as he works to advocate for um, adoptive families. And then we're going to pray just um, that the Lord will continue to give us opportunity to minister well to this country um, through the midst of tragedy. So let us uh, let us close out our time in praying for the country of Haiti. Father, we are just so grateful for the opportunity to work in this country. Lord, we have seen so many families transformed by bringing children into their home through international adoption. Um, and, and God, making Fildare is such a um, important part of that process. So God, we pray for um, our team on the ground. We pray for safety. We pray for these families that are there working on our behalf. God, we pray um, in the in a heightened political climate, um, in the assassination of of a president. God, we we pray um, for the believers in this country to be able to rise up. God, we pray for protection for them. We pray for perseverance for them. Um, to not give up. God, as we just even studied this morning, as how easy it is for a church to get um, get sidetracked in maybe rituals and traditions and to lose sight of the hope that they have in you. So God, we pray for the believers there um, in the midst of a country of unrest, God, for protection. God, we pray um, for our other missionary con contacts there, um, for the church partnerships that we have, um, and Lord, just we, we pray for continued opportunity for us as a ministry at Lifeline to invest in churches and caregivers in this country. God, we pray for these families um, that are matched with children, um, for th those four now that are just um, matched. God, we pray for those families as they wait to bring those children home. God, I pray... Um, Lord, during the 
unrest of a country of knowing that their child is there, uh, knowing their 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 child is um, Lord without them, and and maybe in a state of <clears throat> just uncertainty. I pray for peace um, for these families. Um, may you protect each and every one of their children. Um, Lord, I pray for our team here uh, to be able to get the information we need to be able to communicate with with these families that are in process um, and, and for those children to remain safe in this country. We pray for these additional 11 families who are waiting for a referral. Um, Lord, we know that they have trusted in this process. So God, we pray for this prolonged wait for these 11 families. Lord, we just pray for perseverance and pray for the stability of this country to, to kind of just get back on its feet again so we can see this adoption process begin to move. Um, and Lord, we just pray for this matching committee that's in this country, be able to extend referrals to these Lifeline families um, who have just been waiting for years. So God, I pray for this matching committee and uh, Lord, just the infrastructure of this country to, to get back together so we can see things move. Um, and Lord, lastly, we just want to say thank you for uh, allowing four children to come home um, in 2020 and 2021. We pray for those four lives and, and we're grateful for these families who have brought them brought them into their forever homes. God, may they just be intentional in sharing the gospel and the hope of who you are with these children. And may we see these children rise up and be able to minister to their home country and share the hope of who you are and the transformation that you've done in their lives as they grow in their understanding of who you are. So God, we are so honored to call you our Heavenly Father and, and um, Lord, just place our hope and our trust in who you are and what you're doing. And these things we ask in your name. Amen. Thanks again for joining us for the Defender Bible Study. If you enjoy making this podcast a part of your weekly routine, we'd love for you to take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review the Defender Bible Study to make it easier for more people to find. For more resources and information on how you and your church can partner with Lifeline, please visit us at lifelinechild.org. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter by searching for Lifeline Child. You can email us directly at info at lifelinechild.org. We look forward to seeing you again next week for the Defender Bible Study. Music